Hi, I'm Doug the Neighbor, and welcome to my podcast coming to you from the Possum Trot Studios here in awesome Austin, Texas. Yes, I'm Doug the Neighbor, Possum Trot Studios, awesome Austin, Texas. This is our fifth year of doing a podcast, and we are in 29 countries around the world and galaxy, so we are very, very humbled by this, and we have a very special guest here today, Tom Hill. Tom, glad to have you here. Well, thank you, Doug. Good to be here. Okay, very, very happy to have you here. Now, Tom, let me do a little bit of housekeeping to our listeners around the world. Our older listeners, old listeners know who we are. But to our new listeners around the world, let me introduce them to the Possum Trot Studios. There is... Jojo Bear up there. He is our vice president in charge of production and drinking all of the Dr. Pepper. And right beside him is Cowboy Otis. He is our chief security officer, making sure that everyone is safe here at the Possum's Trot Studios, and he's a very scary guy. You can see that he's very, very scary. Right, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to mess with that guy. And right beside that is a bag of dried prunes. We did a podcast with uh, Bill Belford, a high school buddy of mine. He's Bill Buffalo. We call him uh, uh, Bill Buffalo. He's a very, very funny guy. And so he decided that Doug the Neighbor podcast needed some dried prunes. I think it's a subtle message. <laughs> message received. <laughs> now, if you'll notice there, Tom, just below that, you see those two DTN logos? I see them. Those were uh, drawn up and created by a young gal we call the E. She's about 16 years old. She's a very talented artist. And you see we have the orange diamond logo, and then we have the blue uh, round uh, logo. Your opinion, please, of which one you like that we could use for the DTN podcast. The round logo looks looks nice and looks to be more descriptive of what the, the podcast is all about. Uh, okay, yeah. all right. Well, I'll pass that along to her. To the E, and if you'll notice below there, uh, there is a the top of Possum Trot Flipper Walk poster. This is a charity event that we do where we walk up Possum Trot in scuba flippers, mm. and we raise money for Dell Children's Hospital to flip off Big C cancer, Big C. So, I like that. And she drew that on up. Now, this June 10th is the uh, is our third year of that, and we are uh, looking forward to it. But it's the toughest tenth of a mile uh, marathon in American. All right. Yes, yes. Now, the, if you'll notice to the right there, that is the logo for the Possum Trot Bakery. Huh that we started. We're in our second year here in awesome Austin, Texas. We have four bakers, people who bake, and they make cookies for the troopers. 
and we send cookies to our service people around the world. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes, yes. So uh, that is the logo for that, and the E did all of that sort of artwork there. E's a talented young person. She's very, very talented, yes, yes. Uh, she's very talented. Now, if you look over there, you see that Clemson Tiger flag. Mm. We did a podcast with four Clemson people, neighbors, uh, young people starting out in life. They lived here in the area. And uh, we did a podcast with them, and they brought on over that Clemson booster flag. Now, it says I-P-T-A-Y. It means I paid $10 a year to the Booster Club. You All donate right. money to the Clemson Booster Club, you get that flag there. Now. Thanks for that. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> I know. Didn't, didn't quite get it, so but it now just, it makes sense. Now it makes sense. Now, if you'll notice over here, the coffee cups that we have are from Mozart's Coffee here on Lake Austin, and they a uh, great place for to work remote, have a cup of coffee out on the river. It's a beautiful place. And that was given to me by Ken Hardy, one of the owners, because we did a TikTok video with him. Good. And then if you'll notice, there's the Gatorade Longhorn mug back there that came from Jerome Murray. He's uh, We did a podcast with him in the very beginning, and he gave me that. And Jer, Jer is a very talented guy, and he's got his own podcast now. All right. I nagged him, begged him, just uh, prodded him to do his own podcast, and uh, he was kind enough to do that. And if Good. you notice over there, uh, we have some products from Reset Bioscience because we did a podcast with Ashley Ferguson and her sweetie Chris Barber, and those are energy shots. Okay. Okay, so we have that. And the glasses that we are drinking our uh, Dr. Pepper from, a great product from Waco, Texas. This is a gift from Carlin Biddle, who is a neighbor, uh, and she lives on Possum Trot, and she's one of the bakers for the cookies for the Possum Trot Bakery, and she was kind enough to give us these uh, these glasses. Oh, that's nice. Ten, Carlin, yeah, Carlin Biddle. Yeah. Ten, two, and four. That's, it, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Ten, two, and four. Now, if you'll notice, here is a nice picture of... Charlie Bluebell, he is our mascot here at the Possum Trot Studios. Okay. And he's a sweet little puppy. He likes to snuggle under the desk here. And uh, he's our mascot. He's from Brenham, Texas, which is where Bluebell ice cream is from. So that's why he's Charlie Bluebell. Good. One of the favorite desserts. Yes, yes. Now, if you take a look over here at this painting, this has an interesting story, the Doug the Neighbor podcast painting. This was given to me by Mike McNeil. Mike is our neighbor here in the uh, Deep Eddy, and he is a startup guy. Mm. So we did a podcast with him, and then about two weeks after that, he walked on in with this painting of Doug the Neighbor podcast, and it is drawn by Noah Gould of Santa Clara, California. So very nice. It's nice. Isn't yeah, it? It's very nice. Yeah, yeah. So this is the tour of the Possum Trot Studios, Tom, and we're very, very happy to have you here. Impressive. Thank yeah, you. it is kind of impressive. Let me get on over to the weather window here in awesome Austin, Texas. 
55 degrees, a little cool for us when it was 80 degrees last uh, week, huh? You're a little chilly, but it's all relative. It's all relative because our hearts are smiling. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Now, sports report, baseball season's here, Tom. I'm wearing my lucky Texas Ranger cap. I'm looking forward to another great season. Yep. March 30th is opening day against the Phillies in Arlington. Okay. Okay. And who's your baseball team, Tom? My baseball team is the the Rangers. The Rangers? Yeah. Oh, very good. Uh, let's go for another good year this year, okay? We're building and things look like they're shaping up. Yes, they are. They are. We bought in two new pitchers this year, DeGrom and Evaldi, I believe. So that's a good start. Now, Tom, giving you a little tour here of the Possum Trot Studios, and I'm very, very happy to have you here as an interview. Uh, how did we meet? It's a chance meeting, how we met, and then you agreed to do the podcast. Well, it, it's kind of interesting because yesterday morning before uh, my son Lamont left work, he asked me had I met Doug the neighbor. I'm Doug and the my, neighbor. My response was no. Well, shortly after he <laughs> took off to work, I took uh, my youngest grandson to school, and on my way back, when I was getting out of the car, who did I meet? It was Doug the neighbor. Hey, Doug the neighbor. So we met in the neighborhood. In the neighborhood, and that's a great way for neighbors to meet. And then we went on over to Maudie's and had lunch. Had a great lunch. Yeah, and the food was great, yeah. and the conversation and was great. And uh, I talked you into a podcast, and now you're here. I love it. I love it, too. So let us begin, Tom, and certainly appreciative of you being here. Uh we have a standard kind of uh, free standard free form uh, pattern here. So let's let's go. What is your name, Tom? My name is Thomas Lionel Hill. Thomas Lionel 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 Hill. Lionel yes. Hill. Now, are you named after your father, your grandfather, a family name, Lionel? Well, Tom? no, I was named after one of my father's brothers. Oh, okay. His name was Lionel, and so that be that was my middle name. Mm-hmm. That's like the train set, Lionel. Like the train, L I O N E L. Oh, okay. All right, that's great. That's great. Now, where where were you born, Tom? I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, okay. All right. I've been to New Orleans. Had a wonderful time there. Just to, went down to see the museum display there for the 300th anniversary. Love New Orleans. It's a great city. Great, great city. Now. Have you ever done your DNA for your family history or anything? We did. Uh, me and my brothers, we did a DNA uh, test and uh, got some really interesting interesting results. Uh, uh, okay. Well, tell us what, what surprises. Uh, yeah. Well, surprises, and I think for most African Americans, We've been connected due to the institution of slavery. Yes. Things have been disconnected, and it's now to a point with the uh, the improved technology. Of the we, DNA. Of the DNA. You're we, all connected, yeah. We can now trace our history back, our ancestry back, without having to rely on someone being allowed to tell us or leaving what, what, the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was very interesting that my family on my father's side is determined to have originated in West in the West African region. In the West African region. In the West African region. region. It wasn't country specific or anything, but it was the DNA is 
is uh, familiar or similar to those who originated in the West African region. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Now, uh, I introduced you to Jojo Bear, our Vice President of Production and Drinking All the Dr. Pepper. Did you have a teddy bear when you were growing up? No, I, I, I didn't have a teddy bear. Did you have, have any, any pets? Or didn't have any pets. Uh, we lived in a, a housing development that didn't allow oh. for animals. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Now, uh, cute question here. When you were growing up, did you have any nicknames or anything like that? I did. Uh, my nickname in the neighborhood was Hickeymo. Hickeymo. Yes. Hickeymo. Now, Tom, that's perfect. Please explain what is Hickeymo. Well, as a youngster, I was very active, into uh -huh. a little bit of everything and always going to places that I probably had no business. Like, if you notice the the, the construction of homes oh, in the city of New Orleans, they're all are above ground. Yes. So there's always this crawl space under the homes in New Orleans, and we were notorious for going in there playing and stuff, and I was notorious for getting hickeys on my head as a result of getting under those houses and hitting those those two by fours that were under there and so i i, I got the name i earned it quite frankly you earned the name very very funny uh tom where did, where did you go to high school i went to high school at walter l Cohen senior high school in new orleans walter l Cohen. walter l Cohen, c-o-h-e-n high school in, in New Orleans. In New Orleans. Now, were you the Lions, Tigers, or Bears? We were the Green Hornets and are the Green Hornets. A Green Hornets. Go Green Hornets. Go Green Hornets. Oh, that's Absolutely. Crazy. Now, when you were in high school, did you participate in sports, the choir, or have a job or anything like that? I, I did a, a, a quite a bit in school. I was uh, involved in uh, the band, both uh, marching and concert bands. What instrument you play? I was a trumpet player. Oh, okay. Every kid in New Orleans growing up wanted to be Louis Armstrong. Okay. Well, I was no different. Was Louis Armstrong from New Orleans? He is from New Orleans. I did not know that. Yes. I, I know. Uh, okay. All yes, right. he's from New Orleans. And he's an iconic figure. Matter of fact, there's so, well, a yeah. park name for him and yes. just different things. But didn't Growing live, up, every he? kid wanted to be the next Louis Armstrong or Pete Fountain. Or Pete Fountain, right. Okay, now didn't didn't uh, Louis Armstrong end up living in New York City? for? Louis Armstrong lived a lot of places, but originally he's from well, New Orleans. From New Orleans. Yes. Yes, okay, Louis Armstrong. So you played the trumpet. I did. Ah, okay. I did. Do you still play the trumpet? No, I don't. And even then, I say I played it, people would question that. <laughs> Because talent was limited, but I love the instrument and I love music. Tom, never let talent get in the way of your dreams. And I haven't. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> That's true. Did you participate in any sports? You I look did. like you're in pretty good shape. I, as, as I was saying, I, I participated in, in band, both uh, marching and concert bands. I was uh, a member of both the track team and the basketball team, mm -hmm. and I was also a member of the high wide club at the school. High wide club? High wide club. It, it was a, a club that was affiliated with the local YMCA, mm -hmm. and it was based in the high school, hence the 
Highway. Uh, yeah. And uh, we had this close connection uh, with the YMCA. Oh, uh, well, I'm a Y kid. I, my dad was in the military, moved around, and each time joined the Y to... to Play basketball, baseball, and whatever sports, you know, that sort of stuff. I'm a Y kid. The yeah. Y was our haven, quite yes. frankly, in the yeah. neighborhood. It was one of the few safe places that we could go right. and be kids. And right. Play. Yeah. And, and the high, high Y was the Y associated through the high school. Yes. That's very, very interesting. Yes. I, I didn't, do, does that sort of program still exist? You know, I, I don't know if it still has the same name, and I don't know if there's still that connection with is the it, YMCA. Is it Boys Club now? Because I know it was Boys PAL in New York City, Police Athletic League, mm -hmm. and the Boys Club, but is that a national? Is it still around? I, I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't know. Uh, at, at the time I was involved, it was very big because I went to a national conference in Estes Park, Colorado, which was my first trip out of the city of New right. Orleans, quite right. frankly. Uh, and uh, we had a conference in Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, really? A oh, high-wide oh, conference. Oh, okay. All right. So did you work at any high school jobs or anything like that? Not during the school year. I did not work the school year. Even though we were um, in the socio, low socioeconomic uh, status, my mother didn't allow us. Education was extremely important. Mm -hmm. So she did not allow anything to interfere with education. And working during the school year was not uh, was part of that plan. That you had to focus on school and school activities were even permitted but not necessarily working i did work in the summers though worked uh -huh. every summer uh-huh well what did you do uh, typically worked in government or city state supported programs where they would pay kids to to do work around the city pick up trash clean up parks uh -huh. do custodial work in schools right those kinds of things and i did that and we were um Contracted out to different locations during the course of a year. Oh, okay. So a high, you know, summer job for high yes, school. Yes, yeah, summer you know, job. Just like myself. Subsidized you know. by the. Does the government still government. do things like that? Yes, they do. Oh, they, oh, okay. they still have programs that support uh, okay. youngsters. Good, good luck. Trying some of these kids to get to work now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it was a it was a, a real adventure and a pleasure to, to do work and get paid. That was the best part oh, about it. You generated some money for yourself. Some money, pocket money. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, where did you go to college, Tom? I went to college as an undergraduate at Arkansas State University, located in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Jonesboro. Now, in relation to. Uh, Little Rock, where's Jonesboro? Jonesboro is northeast of Little Rock and is located in the northeastern portion of the state. Little Rock is in central Arkansas. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you go northeastern Arkansas and uh, you'll find Jonesboro. Jonesboro is approximately 60, 65 miles from Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, okay. So yes. well, I can uh, keep going east. And, and the name of the school again was? It was Arkansas State University. Uh, Arkansas. And what was your discipline while you were going to school? I was a physical education major. 
Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and uh, did you participate in sports as also studying physical education? I did. I was uh, a member of the track team. I also played basketball for a brief period at Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. And when I say played basketball, that's being generous. I was on the team. <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> on the bench. You're on the team. That's all that counts. Yep. Every member of the team is important. I was a good practice player. <laughs> that's a, making the team first string Better. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. track, what, what was your event in track? My event was 110-meter high hurdles. Wow. I also ran several other events. I ran the 100 to 200. I ran the 400 on occasion. I ran the 400 intermediates. I high jumped and I long jumped and I ran relays. So, all sorts of track. I Yes. Do, do you jog now? Do you walk now? Do you do any marathons? No, don't do any running now. Um, over 10 years ago, I had a hip replacement. Oh, I see. So high-impact activities are not recommended so, for someone with a hip walks replacement. So walks during the day? Well, it. I do more than that. I um, go to the gym at least three times a week, mm. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and I do elliptical, stationary uh-huh. bike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm weights, those kinds of things. So I'm still active, but I just can't do things like running because that's a high impact activity, which will have a, a negative impact on the hip joint. Mm. We, at our age, we can't do things we used to be able to no. do. No, <laughs> not even close. It's good right. to look at they film say and have memories. Yeah. They say it's the golden years, but it's actually the age of rust. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, age of rust, if you don't have a lubricant, if you and, don't keep it moving. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely right. Now, uh, what was the mascot at the Arkansas State? Uh, Arkansas State University during the time I was in school, we were the Indians. The Indians, yes. The Indians. Since that time, they've changed the mascot to the Red Wolves. Oh, okay. Yeah, in, in, in respect for Native American and Native American tribes, they moved that mascot from being the Indians to being the Red Wolves. Red Wolves, okay, all right. Now, uh, when you were in college, did you have, and you were participating in physical education, did, did you have a car in college? Um, eventually I did. I had the car probably my last two years in college. The, uh, my stay in college was a bit longer than most. I was a five-year uh, kid. College I, is fun. I don't know why yeah. we graduated early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, early definitely wasn't in my plan. Yeah, yeah. And I had a I had a car the the last two years. What'd you have, Tom? I had a 1965 um, Oldsmobile Dynamic 88, a two door. Ooh. Kind of bubble top. It was a kind of sporty looking car. Ooh. Did you give it a name? No, I, I didn't give it a name. You don't name your, your I, car? No, I... Okay. What color was it? It was green and white. Oh, and didn't you say something about the Green Hornets? Or said the I did. It was the Green Hornets. It's just coincidentally that that car happened to be uh, green, green and white. That happened to be the Green Hornet. Yep. There, there you that go. would have been a good name. <laughs> now, after college, uh, uh, Tom, uh, what did you do then? Well... Upon graduation from college, I uh, received, along with my degree, a commission in the United States Army as a second lieutenant. I was stationed for the next four years at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Very, very impressive. Thank you for your service to our country, uh, Tom. Now, you were not a cadet at West Point. That's correct. You served at West Point. I served my military duty at West Point. I was a staff member 
at West Point, not a student. Oh, a staff, staff member. member. Uh, yes. And what did, did you teach or just what, what did you do at West Point? My primary responsibility was the being a, an assistant track coach. And as an assistant track coach, we were responsible for training, providing the programs and services to, to the um, cadets at West Point in the, who were involved in the track program. That was part of my responsibility. The other part was to serve as an adjutant general officer. Adjutant general officer, and what would those duties imply, Tom? Adjutant general officers, the branch, typically takes care of the administrative uh, work of the, of the United States Army. So we do things like mail and distribution, uh, rec services, oh, those see. kinds of things. Uh, and so I was assigned to um, the adjutant general office their own post. Oh, and so I, we handled communications and those kinds of things. Oh, oh, okay. And then you were an assistant track coach at West Point. Yes. Oh, that's I, correct. I oh, okay. And uh, how, how long did you, were you at West Point? I was at West Point for four years. And Doug, the reason I had the dual role at West Point is because when I went into the military, I was concerned about making the military a career. Oh, okay. And so if I was going to make it a career, I had to be conversant and competent in my branch. Yes. My branch was adjutant general. Okay. So while I was doing assistant track coach duties, I wanted to make sure that if after four years I wanted to continue in the military in my branch, mm -hmm. I needed to be up to speed on what was going on. And so that's why I had the dual responsibilities. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. Now, uh, you, you were at, at West Point for how long? I was at West Point for four years. And then what happened, Tom? Uh, I left West Point and moved to our back to Arkansas State. Okay. As a uh, Jonesboro. Jonesboro, Arkansas, as the coordinator of University College, which is an an academic unit that it has responsibility for the general education curriculum. Whenever you start out at an institution, you have roughly two years of general education general courses. Education. English, math, yeah. science. Yeah. Yeah social science, Basics. those kinds of things. And I was responsible for coordinating that portion of the curriculum for, for all students. Oh, okay. And uh, tell us more of your career after the military. How long were you at uh, uh, Arkansas State? Uh, and then you did you move on? What, yes. You well, after leaving the military academy, I went back to Arkansas State, as I said. I stayed there for about four years. And at that point in time, my career, chosen career, was higher education administration. So if I was going to stay in, in, in higher education, I needed advanced, an advanced degree, mm -hmm. uh, another advanced degree. While I was in the military at West Point, I was able to get, earn a master's degree, Whoa. which gave me an opportunity to get employed at Arkansas State. I see. I but see. then, yeah. after four years... I realized that if I was going to have a career in higher education and expected to move up in the ranks, I needed to have an advanced degree, a terminal degree, which is a PhD. So I decided to move after four years at Arkansas State to get a, a, a leave to go and work on my PhD at the University of Florida. And the University of Florida is located in? In Gainesville, Gainesville, Florida. Going Gainesville. Now, you know what PhD stands for, don't you? 
Pile higher and deeper. Very good. You just stole my punchline. <laughs> hey, who's telling the jokes here? <laughs> all right, all right. Well, okay, so you went down to the University of Florida, and then after that, uh, what? Uh, anything interesting happened there? Yep. After um, at Florida, I was a graduate assistant pursuing my PhD, and I had an opportunity to, as a graduate assistant, you will get a graduate assistantship, which is uh, uh, a job what it amounts to mm-hmm. uh, and in the ranks we call it kind of slave labor because they get to take advantage of a professional at less than professional rates and so grunt work it, it is it, and it was great experience but I served as a graduate assistant at, at the University of Florida while working on my PhD and I served as an academic advisor for the athletic department uh, at the University of Florida after completing my coursework Mm-hmm. I moved back to Jonesboro. And As a doctor? Uh, no, no, oh, because oh, I, I hadn't completed my, oh, hadn't my completed. dissertation. Okay. I completed my coursework, mm-hmm. but not my dissertation. I just, I, 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 so I still had uh, work to do. They, they say it's the disease. The disease, they, they call it the all but dissertation disease. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite frankly, it's something that if I had to do it over again, I would never do it because it, it takes almost twice as long when you're away from the campus mm-hmm. to, to complete um, the dissertation as it did for you to do the coursework. And it was at a time when the technology isn't what it is today. Oh, yeah. We had to type things, yeah, put it in the yeah. mail, they had to read it. Yeah. And type it. So it took forever to, um, to clean, uh, clean everything up. I finished my coursework and moved back to Jonesboro in 1979. And uh, it took me the next five years to complete the dissertation. Mm-hmm. Once I completed the dissertation, then I became uh, the Dr. Tom of Hill. What you would be Dr. Tom Thomas Hill, Hill, right? A doctor of philosophy, and my major was counselor education. But I had a cognate area, which is equivalent to a minor, right? In higher education administration. Oh, okay. So that was my focus. And once I completed the degree, I left Arkansas State and moved to Tulane University as an assistant athletic director. I was an assistant athletic director, and I was in charge of student life, which meant that I was responsible for coordinating the academic pursuits of student athletes. Mm-hmm. I was responsible for uh, the housing okay. for student athletes and uh, discipline. I was just responsible for anything that had to do with the student with the student life of student athletes. And since you were an athlete in college and high school, you ran track. Yes, and uh, you had this advanced education. Uh, you must have been perfect for the job. I was I was well suited for it, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that was something that uh, really was basically a natural fit okay, for me now, at that time. Now, interesting again, the Tulane. What's the name of the mascot? Tulane Green Wave. Have you are you noticing something yeah, here? There's, there's a pattern, pattern that's, that's developing here. <laughs> I'm running into this green stuff all over the place. Money is green. So ah, there you go. Now, uh, at Tulane, how many students would be under your charge that you had to take care of, and how many staff people did you have to help you? Roughly 400 student athletes, and I had a staff of three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whoa. Uh, not counting the support staff. 
Oh, okay. So if you count the support staff, it was a staff of about five. So but, we're up to we're up to we're up to nine we're up to nine five and three and we're up to nine and you that's nine right there four hundred people. But here is the the interesting thing about it the the job itself uh, coordinates activities with the colleges. Mm -hmm. So the the services delivered weren't exclusively delivered by us, we would coordinate the services with the various major areas of the student athletes. Mm -hmm. And so we had this relationship going. So we had a lot more people working to assist student athletes than the, mm -hmm. the people we had in the athletic department. Right. Okay. Now you were born in New Orleans. Yes. You lived in New Orleans. Yes. So now you were uh, back home. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really a delight to be back home. Yeah, uh, family members there. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So classmates, friends, lifelong friends. friends. I mean, old, it was old restaurants. It was well. You know, the interesting the, uh, the interesting thing about this is. If you're born and raised in New Orleans, you don't go, visit restaurants. You don't go to the tourist places. You go to, well, not only tourist places, you don't go to, you basically don't go to restaurants at all. You eat at your mother's house, you eat at the sister-in-law's house, you eat at the brother's house, you eat at your aunt's house. <laughs> I get it. I, I mean, get, yeah. there is absolutely no need. To go to a restaurant. To do the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. Now, I did tell you I have a very good pal that I met who is uh, a bartender at the uh, Commander's Palace. Yes. And I met her when I was in New Orleans. And so I'll make sure that this podcast gets to her. So. Well, I'll give a plug for Commander's. Uh, not knowing restaurants growing up there, it wasn't until I became an adult, a professional, and had to entertain people yes. in public that I had the opportunity to visit Commanders and uh, the food is outstanding. And I had a very interesting uh, night at Commanders. Uh, I assumed uh, there would be seating at the bar, mm -hmm. but there wasn't. Yes. So I was standing there having a drink. I just did the maitre d' can I stand here? And I met the owner of, uh, of the Commanders. I believe his name is Brett Brett Brennan, Brett Brennan. Brennan's. They got other restaurants. Yeah, he's got other. And yeah. he just came on over to me, and he said, "Oh, introduced myself." And he said, uh, "Hello, how are you?" And I was wearing a suit because I was going out, and he was wearing a suit. He invited me to his niece's nephew's wedding, just right there. Just, I just like, thank you very much. So, Typical New Orleans. Yes, yes, a charming man. But this was four years ago, and I. Sorry that I forget his first, but I believe his name was Brett Brenham, and yeah. he just in Brenham, yeah, he, and he just took me on it and said, "Well, this is so and so the wedding," and I, well, thank you. I was stunned. I just I, that kindness. That's classic New Orleans hospitality. Yes, though. yes, and uh, always appreciated his kindness. So you went back to New Orleans for a while, and you were dealing in the green again. Yes. Uh, what happened after New Orleans? Well, Tulane. After serving for four years as assistant athletic director at Tulane University, I was provided the opportunity to serve as assistant athletic director, basically the same capacity, at the University of Oklahoma. Oh. And uh, this was uh, one of those once-in-a-lifetime deals for me because I was hired after there was a series of really unfortunate incidents at the University of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. There was a, a drug deal in the residence halls, there was a shooting, mm -hmm. and then there was a rape. 
Whoa. Oh, Jesus. In the oh. residence in the athletic department. So they really needed someone or wanted someone to come in and help them clean that up. And that was my and role. with your military bearing. Uh, what, what was, in fact, let me go on back a bit. Uh, uh, Tom, what was your rank when you retired from the When I uh, was discharged from the Army, I was a captain. Captain. Oh, okay. I was okay. captain in the Army. Oh, okay. So so they brought you into uh, to Oklahoma in Norman to uh, clean up the, their act. Well, quite frankly, they, they did, but they based that on the experience I had at Tulane. <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, I was hired at Tulane to clean up and then a, a situation that they had at that time. They had a gambling scandal oh, um, in basketball. Oh. It was uh, John Hotrod Williams, and some people may remember this. Tulane was involved in what they determined was a point-shaving point shaving. Uh, situation. And so I was hired at Tulane to help restore credibility to the program there. And after having done so there, Oklahoma decided that <laughs> I would be a great candidate to help them the restore and, and credibility just, yeah. at the uh, University of yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, and just after our short uh, time that we have known each other and lunch and chatting, you're the guy. <laughs> uh, you're going to clean up some? Call Tom Hill. Yeah, well, that, that became my, my reputation, I suspect. Well, you know, it's... A man's word is all he has, and that's his reputation. No doubt. That, that's all he has. So you are the man. Now, let's get on to Iowa State. Uh, you ended up at Iowa State. Right. That's correct. Um, but there was a, a stop in between Oklahoma and Iowa State. When I left Oklahoma, I decided to change the focus in my career and move from athletics to student affairs. Oh, okay. So... When I left Oklahoma, I was provided the opportunity to be the dean of students at the University of Florida. So back, back to Florida. Back, back to Florida, back to, to Gainesville. Uh -huh. So I served as the dean of students at the University of Florida. And I, after serving four years in that capacity, I was provided the opportunity to serve as the senior vice president for student affairs at, the, at Iowa State University. And that's how I got to Iowa State Oh, University. that's how you got to it. The yes. long course, but you got to Iowa yes. State. Now, how long were you at Iowa State? I was at Iowa State for 20 years. 18 of the 20 years, I served as Senior Vice President for Student Affairs. Two years, my last two years there, I was a Senior Policy Advisor to the President. Oh, okay. All right. So let's talk about, uh, here you are, a Southern boy from New Orleans. You're living in, uh, you went to school in Arkansas. You went to, uh, you went to uh, Florida a couple of times. Iowa is a little cold up there. I was a lot cold, <laughs> Doug. And, and I tell you, but, but fortunately for me, I had the kind of experiences that would prepare me for it. Because if you remember, early in my career, I spent four years in the Army in New York, upstate New oh, York. Oh, yeah, that's right, so, at West Point, yeah. So I spent some time in the refrigerator. <laughs> and so that prepared me for the deep freeze of Iowa State. <laughs> Iowa State. Now, where is Iowa State located? Iowa State is located in central Iowa, 35 miles due north of Des Moines, Iowa, which is the capital of the state. And what's the name of the city of? The name of the city is Ames, Iowa. A Ames, Ames, I Iowa. I and there's some there's some interesting things that have occurred there. And the most one of the most notable things is, I will say, well, a couple of the most notable things. Iowa State is considered the birth of the digital computer. And oh, a lot is that of people right? don't understand. Yes, 
the digital computer, the ABC, Adenary um, Ad, Ad, Barry computer, the ABC computer, they created the digital computer. It is also the home of George Washington Carver. Not the home of, but that's where he was educated. Back and he many invented years ago. peanut butter. Peanut butter. Yeah. He did many things with the because peanut. he was a bot and not a bot. He's a botanist. A, 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 a agronomist. Or no, he's a botanist. A botanist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, just a brilliant scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. George, George, George Washington Carver. Carver. Yeah. He was educated. He's the first African American graduate of Iowa State University. And a lot of people don't realize that they think. George Washington Carver came from Tuskegee. That is not true. Tuskegee, with Booker T. Washington, took him, lured him from Iowa State. He was a professor there. They lured him oh, oh, I to see. Tuskegee. Well, no, this is this is terrific history that I did not know. I'm well aware of George Washington Carver, Carver yeah. and Booker T. Washington, but how they uh, they worked in history and got to know each other and this and the machinations of it. I love stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, I love stuff like Most that. Most people don't know or realize that George Washington Carver was educated at Iowa State University. He was also a mentor for Henry Wallace, who happened to be a vice president of the United States, but he was also from Iowa, and George Washington Carver mentored him. Who was Henry Wallace uh, vice president for? Oh, uh, the FD president. That, don't would that be FDR? It could be, but but he he was he was mentored by uh, George Washington Carver. I'll look that up uh, on. Wikipedia to our listeners, our listeners around the world. If you know that answer, please uh, please check in with us. Henry Wallace uh, from Iowa State, uh, who was a mentor at who he was, who was mentored by George Washington Carver. Right, right. We love that. And he was vice president of which president? So there we go. So uh, now uh, you were at <coughs> Iowa State in Ames, freezing. Uh, but okay with that. Now, what was your responsibilities there? Because you were a PhD doctorate. Now you were a doctorate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What were you doing? I was responsible for all non-basically non-academic related activities of students, all students, mm -hmm. housing, dining, discipline, admissions, financial aid. Registrar, union, student mm -hmm. health, mm -hmm. anything that had to do with students basically outside of the classroom, I was responsible for it. Now, there was also an academic component because we provided tutorial services for students. Mm -hmm. We coordinated all those activities. We were also responsible for the Memorial Union, which is a student union. Mm -hmm. and we were just responsible for dining, housing, just you name Gee. it. We were responsible for it. And by the way, he was, Henry Wallace was the vice president for Franklin D. Roosevelt, by the way. So I'm, you mean that Doug the neighbor got something right? You did. Absolutely. <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> Please tell my history uh, teachers uh, from high school and college that I got something right. Get that you? star. <laughs> Get that star. <laughs> oh, that was a wild guess. Well, I guess. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so you were at Iowa State in Ames uh, for 20 years. Now, yes. the workload that you just described, that's pretty heavy. Yes, yes. 
Okay, now how long did you do that? I did it for 18 of the 20 years. The last two years, as I said, I, I was uh, senior policy advisor to the president. But for, for 18 of the 20 years, I was responsible for those things. So, Tom, what you're telling me, you're a pretty big cheese. At one time, when you retire, you become old cheese. So, so yes, at that time, I was in the mix, but now I'm, I'm old cheese. You're old cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, uh, I can see your stand-up comedy career starting today. That was very funny. And your audience is huge. Well, I the stand-up comedy will, will probably have to wait a minute because yeah. I, I enjoy eating so yeah. Yeah. if, if stand-up comedy is going to be my thing I will probably start well instead of being uh, hickey mo you're now old cheese uh, yes <laughs> I love that <laughs> I love that so what are you doing now that you are retired well now and that, where where are you living now? I'm I'm living in the Dallas Fort Worth metropolitan area. Oh, Metro, okay. they the call me it the DFW Metroplex. Metroplex up there in the Metroplex. Um, and I now am in a position to do a lot of the things that I didn't have time to do because I had a job. You get time. And so you get time I'm now. doing. I'm writing. I'm doing Good. research on the family. Okay. I'm I'm doing uh, programs to help students in college and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just doing a, any number of things. I'm also following up on some things that I started during my career. Yeah, right. And so now you have the time to tackle those situations and, and get after it. Absolutely. And yeah. it's, you're talking about enjoyable. I don't have to worry about evaluations nor pay raises nor anything mm -hmm. like that. I can just do my and thing. And there is no alarm free. clock. Hey, and it's free. <laughs> But you did mention something that a legacy that you started up there in uh, Ames, Iowa, at the school, a, a, a conference that you are attending. Would you be kind enough to please tell us about that conference? Well, in, in the future, I'm going up to Iowa State, return to Iowa State to attend the Iowa State Conference on Race and Ethnicity. Okay. That conference was started uh, about 22, 23 years ago. Okay. At Iowa State, and the now race and the race and diversity and, and ethnicity. Twenty three years ago wasn't the watchwords that it is now. You were so this conference was twenty twenty. That's two thousand. Uh, two thousand, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now it's it's on the newspapers. It's uh, all over the place. So you're starting this conference 20 years ago, 23 right. years ago. But right. Doug, the, the the problems were the same. Right. We oh, yes. just didn't yes. address them at the at that time. So that's the only difference. So your conference was ahead of the game. Yes, it it was ahead of addressing the issues. And in Iowa, as you would suspect, Iowa is basically a white state. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Very little diversity. Yes. And a lot of corn. A lot of corn, but if you're sitting, a lot of corn, soybeans, and pigs. Oh, is that right? I if you're sitting in Iowa in an in a institution of higher education, you necessarily, with the program, with the worldwide scope 
Yes. That the yeah. institution has. Right. Diversity is critical. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it it I, is I very critical. And so we needed to prepare our students, our graduates, to go out into a diverse world, not to live in a world that was comparable to ours. Singular and, and yes, monochrome. Yes. Yeah. And so we would be just neglecting our responsibilities had we not sought to prepare students to go out in what we would consider the broader world or the real world. Yep. And so in order to do that, we created this conference to help prepare students for life. Now you're going to uh, Ames, Iowa soon, I understand, for this conference. Yes. Now you're being very humble. Uh, hum first off, what? how many people will show up at this conference? Right now, unless I talk to the the uh, administrator responsible for it, the registration total registration was over a thousand. Whoa! Yes. So this and, is worldwide. It, People coming in. World. No, no, it's not. It's not worldwide. Duh. The the focus was to help students, faculty, and staff at Iowa State mm -hmm. to learn more about, be more comfortable, and be more knowledgeable about. Issues related to diverse, diversity mm -hmm. and ethnicity, mm -hmm. race and ethnicity. So what we've done from the very beginning is not attempted to attract outside people. Because so often you can do things in a particular location and you not address the people in that location and people from everywhere else will come benefit and, and leave. Right. And it leaves you with the same problems right, even though right. you think you've done a good job. So we decided not to do that. So it is closed right. to the, the faculty, staff, and students at Iowa State University. And another reason for that is Iowa State University funds the entire conference. Okay. There is no charge. It's free of charge. Okay. All right. So, because Iowa State is funding it, I really felt it was inappropriate for Iowa State to fund something for the world and not oh, okay. keep it I, focused I on saying. the students. Okay. So that's what we've done. So it is not open. It is, when you talk about a thousand folk, those thousand people will be people in at Iowa State University. I love that. I love that. That's very interesting. Impact was important. Impact was important. Now, you're being very humble up concerning this conference. Who is the conference named after? Doug, I, I was given the honor uh, of having the conference named for me uh, upon my retirement. I, uh, it is now known as the Thomas L. Hill Iowa State Conference on Race and Ethnicity. And uh, that yeah. was a, a, just a humbling experience. And it is, it is really um, humbling to think and know that this conference has grown over the last 20, 30 years. It now serves as a model nationwide for colleges and universities. And it's being emulated, being repeated on different colleges around the country. Started by you. Yes. Named after you. Yes. Dude, give me high five. All right. Give me high five. <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned that uh, you also, now you're retired and you have time to do some things, that you are work have uh, are working on a family foundation. Yes. Would you please explain what that is? Oh, 25, 26 years ago, um, we created the Maddie Hill Scholarship Foundation, which was... Uh, created to honor our mother, uh, Maddie. Maddie Hill, M-A-T-T-I-E-H-I-L-L. -L. Maddie 
was a single mother, raised five boys in inner city New Orleans in public housing. Okay. And she valued, as I spoke earlier, she valued education. Mm -hmm. Education was very, very important to her. So we thought there would be no better way to honor her legacy than to create a scholarship program that would continue to support education and help young people uh, in the city of New Orleans. How, and that's what now, how long has this foundation been going on? 25 years. 25 years? Yes. How many people have you helped? We've, we've, to date, we've helped 48 okay. who, who graduates, but it started with just one. Back in 1996, we um, awarded our first scholarship. We had one scholar. Mm -hmm. Today, we have 20 scholars on scholarship at any one given time. We, we award five every year, but we continue to support, support those five through the second, third, and fourth year of their college education. So we have 20 kids, 20 students, 20 scholars on scholarship at any one given time. Okay, now uh, how does a student apply? Students in New Orleans can go to www.mattiehill.org, O-R-G, and you can find all the information related to, to the scholarship application, background, uh, past recipients. Mm -hmm. What are they doing now? We're okay. proud to say that we have students that are in just about uh -huh. every field. So www.mattiehill.org. And that and who what students can apply the requirements or, or you know, must they be from can they be from anywhere or no the students must be graduates of an Orleans Parish school New Orleans New Orleans but it's Orleans Parish oh I see yes that yeah. that, that we're, we're focused on okay. okay and and if they are graduate of Orleans Parish they will fill out the application their academic requirements you mm -hmm. have to have. Uh, letters of recommendation, okay. and you have to write an essay. Mm -hmm. And there's a selection committee, and the selection committee, the scholarship is based at uh, our church in New Orleans. It's the St. John Institutional Missionary Baptist Church okay. on 2538 Jackson Avenue in New Orleans. Okay. And the selection committee consists of members of the church, members of the family, and members of the community. They will receive all applications, okay. review them, and make a selection. How many applications do you get each Oh, we'll get anywhere from 15 to 25 okay. in any so, given year. So, so now that's a beautiful, beautiful situation now. Does the foundation accept donations? The foundations absolutely accept donations, and we are delighted to receive donations from those who are willing to support these youngsters. And anyone uh, interested in providing a donation, you can go to that same website, www.mattyhill.org, mm -hmm. and there's, don there's a donation button on that website. And if you choose to, you can... Send a check or money order or whatever it is to the Maddie Hill Scholarship Foundation, P.O. Box 1054, mm -hmm. Midlothian, M-I-D-L-O-T-H-I-A-N, Texas, mm -hmm. 76065. Can Doug the neighbor donate 100 bucks? Doug, we would be delighted to have, we'd be honored to have a donation from Doug uh the, the neighbor. Tom, just chatting with you has impressed me of how you're, uh, you're bearing, straightening out situations at these schools, 
you've meeting your son Lamont uh, and the family, uh, your grandkids meeting you, having lunch with you. I'd be glad to uh, donate $100 to your program, uh, and uh, maybe we could call him a DTN scholar. Doug, oh, the neighbor okay. scholar. Okay, <laughs> all right, that, that will work. That will and work. part of their essay is they got to tell five jokes. <laughs> all right, keep them laughing. <laughs> keep them laughing. And Doug, any of your listeners yes. who are out there that are interested in contributing to, to the scholarship, it is a, a very worthwhile effort. There is no overhead to the scholarship. Every donation will go to supporting youngsters. There is no overhead. 100% of the donations go to supporting youngsters. This must keep you busy. It does. It, it, a labor of love. Labor of love. Now, uh, you mentioned for travel that you're going to uh, Ames, Iowa soon for this conference. Yes. Right. Now, Tom, you have done a lot of very interesting things in your life. What words of wisdom would you give to a young person, a class, a nephew, your grandkids, about your life? What would you tell them? There are a couple of things, Doug, that come to mind. Uh, number one, value in education, pursue an education. That's something that once you've acquired it can never be taken from you. Yeah, very And it will, it will serve you for a lifetime, a good quality education. The second thing is, is really know and understand who you are, what your values are, mm. what your principles are. Mm -hmm. And don't let situations or people manipulate that. Mm -hmm. When you're confident with who you are and what you're about, you can go through any situation and be who you are. With an education. With an education and with knowing who you are, identifying your values, your principles, those things will help, will serve as your compass and will serve as your, 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 your guiding light. Have a faith. Uh, we've all been blessed yes. by a superior being. Mm -hmm. And whatever someone may refer to it, for me, it's God mm -hmm. and, 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 and Jesus Christ. And we've been blessed for me, to bless others, we are charged to share our time, talents, and treasures. And those are the things that I would share with youngsters. Very good. And tell me some, who, who has inspired you? You're very inspirational. Who, who has inspired you? I will start with my mother. Uh, when you see a single mother in a housing project who raised five sons Nobody ever, no drug addicts, no one's been incarcerated. We all were high, minimally high school graduates. She was my basic motivation. She's the person I look up to most. Then there are other people. You look at the life of Dr. King. I mean, mm -hmm. that's oh, yeah. very oh. inspirational. Mm -hmm. oh. And then there were other people along the way. I've had mentors along the way mm -hmm. that have provided me with support and inspiration. Mm -hmm. And so there's probably no one person. It's a collection of individuals that have contributed to my development. And I, I'm, I'm very thankful to those individuals. Beautiful words, uh, Tom. Beautiful, beautiful words. And thank you very much for uh, joining this podcast. I certainly appreciate it. May I present you with this 
little token ah, of appreciation. That is a flipper in honor <laughs> of our Top of Possum Trot Flipper Walk, where I'll we raise it. money. Just a little gift. And I would like to, this comes from Leahy Industries. We did a podcast with Andrew Leahy early in, in the podcast uh, season. And uh, just a gift to say thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much. Give me high five. Doug, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for the Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. To all our podcast listeners around the world, we have been chatting with my new neighbor, Tom Hill, a very, very inspirational man who has uh, uh, served his community well and helped a lot, a lot of people. Appreciate him being here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Call your mother. Make her smile. All the best.